Hey, everybody. Appreciate you joining us today across all of our campuses as well as online. And as you can see, we are continuing in this journey together as a church called No Greater Love. And the the issue, the question we've been wrestling with for these last several weeks is, what is love? I mean, what, what is love really? We, we use that word a lot, but, but what does it mean? Or more importantly, what does love look like when it's lived out? Interestingly, Webster's defines love as a strong affection for or attraction to another. In other words, love is an emotion that we feel. But over these last several weeks, we've been discovering that the Bible offers a much deeper, richer understanding of love, that love is not simply a feeling that we have towards someone, but it's a willingness to do things for someone. It is an action. It is a choice of the will. Love at its heart is a willingness to sacrificially put the needs of another ahead of your own. And so for those of us who are Christ followers, and I'm not assuming that everyone here is a Christ follower, but for those of us are, since our lives are to be marked by love, that means that sacrificially serving others should be an essential part of our daily lives. It's not really an optional thing. Sacrificially serving others is not just bonus points for the really good Christians. This is the basics. This is Christianity 101. See, I mean, here's the thing. You can choose whether or not you want to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is a choice. But if you choose to follow Jesus, you don't get to choose what that looks like. It's prescribed to us by Jesus' words and by the life that Jesus modeled. In fact, notice what Jesus says in John 15, 13. Jesus says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life, to sacrifice one's life for one's friends. And literally, just a few hours after Jesus made that statement, he would do exactly that. He would lay down his life for every one of us. Now, obviously, very few of us are probably ever going to get in a situation in life where we have to lay down our lives, where we have to literally sacrifice our lives to help others. I mean, maybe if you're in the military or law enforcement, but for the majority of us, we're not going to have a chance to lay down our lives for our friends. But every day, we have opportunities to sacrifice our time in order to connect and care with somebody who needs our time. Every day, all around us, there are opportunities to use our energy and our effort to serve those who are maybe in a place where they can't serve themselves right now. Every day we have opportunities to sacrifice our resources in order to invest 
in the greater good. If you're not seeing those opportunities around you, can I just say, and I don't mean to to be ugly, but the truth is, if you're not seeing those opportunities around you, you're not paying attention. There's no shortage of hurting people all around us who, who need us to come alongside and sacrificially love them by putting their needs ahead of our own. And while certainly it's easy for us to sit in here and talk about living that way, but in the reality of our overcrowded daily lives, it's much easier just to make excuses as to why we can't help that we don't have enough time right now. It's not a good season or, or, you know, I'm not really the right person to help. I'll just mess it up or, you know, I don't have the resources to really make a difference. What I'm saying is if we're really gonna live out the sacrificial lives of serving others that we're called to, maybe the first thing we need to start sacrificing are our excuses. And so to help us do that, we're going to look at probably one of the better excuse makers in all of human history, a guy by the name of Moses. It's probably a familiar name for you. Uh, Other than Jesus, Moses is probably the second most famous and familiar person from the Bible. Even if you didn't grow up in church, even if you've never read the Bible a single time, you probably know a little bit about Moses because he's a part of our culture. For those of you who are old like me, you're thinking Charlton Heston, you know, in the Ten Commandments epic blockbuster. For those of us who are a little bit younger, you're thinking Disney's Prince of Egypt. So you kind of know the story, right? Moses is born to Hebrew slave parents in Egypt at a time when the Egyptians decided there's too many of these uh, Hebrews around here, so they start killing all the firstborn sons. And so Moses' parents, to save his life when he's an infant, they put him in a basket, set him afloat on a river, and his basket just happens to float up where the daughter of Pharaoh is bathing, and she sees the child and decides she wants to keep the child and raise it as her own. And so Moses spent the first 40 years of his life as a sort of a step prince raised in Pharaoh's palace. And then as Moses got older, he started to realize that he looked a lot more like the Hebrew slaves than all of the Egyptians in the palace that were a part of his family. One day Moses sees an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew slave, and so he wants to help his people out, but he kind of goes over the top and he kills this uh, Egyptian and he panics and he goes, he has to run for his life out in the wilderness where he'll spend 40 years. And while there, he'll meet a man who has a lot of flocks, a lot of sheep and goats and animals. And so Moses takes a job as a shepherd, ends up marrying one of this guy's daughters, has his own family. And for 40 years, he says, into this comfortable life in the wilderness. And then at age 80, he's out with the flock and he sees a bush on top of a mountain. It's burning, not unusual in the desert, but what is unusual is it doesn't burn itself out. And so curiosity gets the best of him. He climbs up the mountain and finds not just a burning bush, but that he is in the presence of the God of the universe. And this God says, Moses, I have selected you to go and free my children from slavery. And Moses' response, not me, Lord. He goes right into excuse mode. And this conversation between Moses and God is recorded in the Old Testament book of Exodus. 
That's the uh, second book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus. It's kind of at the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4. So if you've, you've got a Bible or a Bible app, go ahead and turn or click there. We also have uh, digital online notes for you. You can just go to notes.cedarcreekchurch.net so you can follow along, maybe write some notes uh, from today's message. But what we are going to discover in this familiar conversation with Moses and God is some practical ways to help us Stop making excuses and stop step, start stepping up to serve sacrificially the people around us. So let's jump in. Number one, the first thing we learn about not making excuses, excuses is we got to let God handle my inadequacies. I have to let God handle my inadequacies. See, I think one of the reasons we often don't take advantage of those opportunities to serve when they come up, it's not because we're a bunch of selfish, self-centered, hard-hearted people. It's just we often don't feel qualified. We're not, we don't feel like we're the right person to do anything about it. Certainly how Moses felt, right? Notice verse 11. It says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Who am I? Now, here's what's really interesting. Who am I? Moses, you're like the perfect guy to do this. Your whole life has been preparing you for this calling, right? I mean, who better to take on Pharaoh than somebody who knew the inner workings and the politics of the palace, right? Who better to lead the nation of Israel across the wilderness than somebody who had spent 40 years leading sheep in the wilderness. Who better to write down God's story or to write down God's law than someone who was trained in one of the greatest ancient educational systems in Egypt? It's logical. Uh, Moses is, is the perfect guy for this. Only Moses couldn't see that about himself. When Moses says, I'm not the guy, he's not just being lazy, like I know I could do this, I don't just want to. He really didn't think that he could do this. Because when he looked back at his past, he didn't see all the ways God was moving and working and shaping and preparing him for such a time as this. He looked back at his past and saw failure. Right? I tried to do this one other time and I messed it up. He didn't see God working in his life. He saw his own inadequacies. And see, like Moses, we often can't see about ourselves all the things that God has been doing to prepare us for where he's calling us to serve. But you know what? Other people can. Other people can see about you what you can't see about yourself. That's why it's so important to be connected with a home group so that they can see not just blind spots and weaknesses, but so they can see strengths and experiences that you don't recognize. But look, here's the thing. When it comes to our inadequacies, please don't miss this. Even when our inadequacies are legitimate, it's not really us doing it anyway, is it? It really is about God working through us. That's why God's response 
to Moses' excuse like I'm not the guy is not to take him on a journey of where I've had you and been planning you. God's response is just simply to say, that don't matter, Moses. I'm with you. Notice verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. Look, certainly God uses our strengths and our experiences and our weaknesses to shape us and prepare us for what he's calling us to do. But never forget this. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the ones he calls. And the number one qualification for being used by God to serve others is being dependent on God. As I said two weeks ago, anytime you get out of the boat to follow Jesus into the brokenness of the world around you, you're going to be in over your head. But that's okay. That's right where you need to be. Because it's when you're in over your head that God does some of his greatest work in and through us. So what's your inadequacy? What's that thing that makes you think you, you can't serve God by serving others? Maybe failure in your past, mistakes you've made, maybe a lack of education, Maybe you, the family you came from or what you've been through. I don't know what your inadequacies are. I'm very well aware of mine, and probably many of them I don't even recognize yet. But what are yours? Whatever they are, trust them to God and just be obedient and step out and serve. Number two, the second thing we learn from Moses is we have to stop worrying about what others think. Stop worrying about what others think. Because see, sometimes it's not how we see ourselves that keep us from serving. It's what we think others will think or say about us. Who does he think he is working with students? She's just doing this so everybody will think she's godly or holy. What are other people going to think? They're just trying to get attention. It's just really all about them. Listen, one of the strongest driving forces in our lives, whether we're willing to admit it or not, is what other people think or will say about us. It was an issue for Moses. Look at verse 13. Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? In other words, Moses is like, what if they don't believe you really sent me? What if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer? This is really interesting, and I've never noticed this before. But this week as I was looking through this passage, I noticed something. This reality, Moses never actually lived in and among the Hebrew people in Egypt. He spent 40 years in the palace, right? So he made some assumptions about the Hebrews, like that they knew who their God was and that they had this close, intimate relationship with God. That's what he assumed, and so he would assume, he assumed that they'll want to verify his credentials with this name, right? And so here's the reality. The children of Israel in slavery, they did not have a close relationship with God. In fact, they never asked Moses what God's name was because they didn't know his name themselves, right? They, they didn't know what God was like. 
They'd never had this experience. My point is this. When you step up to serve, to allow God to work in and through you, there may be some critics in the cheap seats that will say things about you, but the desperate people you're stepping out to serve, they won't care how much you know. They just wonder how much you truly care. See, what's so cool about this to me is God gave Moses a name to give to the children of Israel. Not to answer a question, but to give them hope. Notice verse 14. God said to Moses, here's the name, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me. Now that seems like a strange name at the beginning, but when you think about it, isn't that exactly who God is? I am that I am. Isn't he the God who is and always was and always will be? Isn't the great I am the answer to every question, the solution to every problem? The Hebrews didn't ask Moses his name, but he shared it with them, not to verify his credentials, but to point them to the one who was the hope they were looking for. See, that's the thing. When you sacrificially serve others in Jesus' name, it's not about you. It is all about him, about his glory. So quit worrying about what other people think. Number three, the third lesson we learn is that I got to partner with others. I got to partner with others. This is one thing you can see consistently across the pages of the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The people who made the greatest impact serving God did so by working with others. I think of all the excuses Moses had why he couldn't do this, the one that does seem to have a little bit of legitimacy is this issue that Moses had with speaking, his ability to communicate. Now look, I don't know whether he had a stutter or speech impediment or just, you know, stage fright, but I do know that this was an area of weakness for Moses. Look at Exodus 4.10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the reason I think this was a legitimate issue for Moses, because if you look back at all his other excuses, God's solution is to point to himself as God. You know, what if they don't believe me? I'm going with you. What if they ask your name? I am that I am. God keeps pointing back to himself as the, the, the solution to Moses' weakness. And he kind of does that with this one because he's like, why are you worried about that, Moses? Who gave men their mouths and their ears? Who, who gave them the ability to speak? But then God does something very unusual. Notice verses 14 and 15. God says to Moses, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well, and he is already on his way to meet you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help 
both of you. Two things jump off the page here at me. One is the fact that Aaron was already on his way. It's a long way from Egypt to Mount Sinai where Moses was with the burning bush. Several days, if not weeks, journey. See, God already knew what Moses was gonna need. And he already had not just a plan, but he had the right person to bring into that plan. God already knows what your weaknesses are. And he's already got a plan and people to join you in that. And then when, when you do, notice, this is so cool. Notice how Moses and Aaron are to work together. They each have a role, right? But God says, as you each play the role that you've been assigned, if you do the thing that you're a little bit stronger at to fill in the gap of what the other is a little bit weak at, I will help you both. We call that better together here at Cedar Creek. You, you've heard that phrase, but it's more than just a slogan to put on our T-shirts. It's actually one of our church's core values. It's our standard operating procedure for serving in and through Cedar Creek Church. That's why when you step up to serve on your campus in one of the service areas, you won't be serving on your own. You'll be part of a team. You will serve together with others. That's why I shared with you last week that when we in as, as a church want to serve out in our community, we don't just go out there and do our own thing. We serve with local partners who are on the front line, and we come alongside them, provide, walk with them, fill in the gaps. It's also why our expectation is that every home group at Cedar Creek regularly serves together out in the community, right? We want that built in because it's not just a Bible study. It is about serving God together, and we do that better when we serve with others. I don't know where God's calling you to step up and serve. I just know that when you do, you'll be much better together. And then finally, number four, and maybe the hardest and most important thing to stop making excuses is at some point, you just got to take the first step. You got to just take the first step. I mean, at some point, it's time to stop pondering. It's time to stop praying. It's time to stop waiting on everything to align just right and just do it. And that's what Moses does. After a whole bunch of excuses and arguing and trying to wiggle his way out of it, Moses finally took that first step. Verse 20, it says, so Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hands. Did you catch that? I find it so interesting that Moses took his wife and his sons with him back to Egypt. You know what that tells me? Moses knew this wasn't just a temporary short-term assignment. This wasn't going to be just go back, get them out of Egypt, get them across the desert, get them into the promised land, and then go back to your comfortable life with sheep and your little family. No, Moses knew by saying yes to God, he was making a life-changing commitment to sacrificially serve God by serving others for the rest of his life. And if you read the rest of the book of Exodus, you'll see that's exactly what he did to the day he died. 
And over that 40-year period of leading the nation of Israel, Moses wore a lot of different hats. Yes, he was a rescuer. He was a guide through the wilderness. He was a lawgiver. He was an administrator. He was a counselor. He was even an architect and a tabernacle builder. And you know what? That's going to be true of you. See, God's not just calling you to some temporary task to meet some need at the church or in the community. He is calling you to a lifetime of sacrificial service to others. And yeah, over the years and seasons, the role may change, the calling may change, the place and the way and the season you serve may change, but what will never change is God's presence with you God's power through you, and God's people around you. Now look, let me just tell you up front, serving God by serving others, there are going to be days of disappointment and discouragement. There's going to be great days, but there are going to be days when you just want to throw in the towel and quit. There'll be days when it feels like it's not making any difference. And in those days, if you will just keep walking, just keep stumbling forward, just keep trying to be as faithful to what God has called you to do as you can, his faithfulness will meet your desperate need to follow him. And as you do, you'll begin to find a deeper sense of meaning and purpose and fulfillment and life. And one day, you'll hear the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. I know that's what I want in my life. And because I love you, that's what I want in your life as well. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, I thank you from just the deep practical truths that come from a story we've heard or watched in movies and yet, there's so much more than just an interesting story. There are deep truths that can transform our lives. And so, Father, I pray today that we would lay down our inadequacies, hand them over to you, that we would trust you to step out a little more, to get a little more in over our heads, so that we could be a part of serving and loving you by serving and loving others. Father, forgive me for all the excuses in my life. Forgive me for the times I've walked past hurting people because I just thought there were more important things to get to. Father, open our eyes and break our hearts for what breaks yours. And then through your spirit, Give us the courage and the willingness to just say yes to what you have called us to do. Jesus, is in your name we pray, amen.